Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast here at the Eagle Community Church of Christ. I'm John Gunter. This week we talk about God's house, uh, a story from the book of Haggai. Now I understand you may may be thinking, Haggai? Yes, it's relevant and extremely relevant to all of us. So uh, this week we talk about uh, that story. Uh, The people have just come back from captivity and instead of getting back to the business of God, they're really focused on themselves. Sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, same here. So this week, I, I hope that this is something that uh, we can all kind of look in the mirror and learn a story uh, again from this great book of Haggai. Uh, we're so glad that you've joined us and we hope to see you soon. Good morning again. We, uh, we did have a good trip out to the camp. That was our first time out to see kids camp. Uh, I would take that kitchen at my house right now. Uh, I know a lot of you have been out there before, and uh, uh, they just got a good setup. Um, everyone was having a great time. It was They hadn't gotten the rain that we have gotten, so everything was kind of crispy out there, uh, but they were having a lot of fun. I, we were kind of concerned that Evan might not like it. It was his first time really away from family. I think Katie said he'd stayed with some friends of ours when Logan was born, but I don't even remember that. Um, but I was, I was worried about him, and then I saw him yesterday. I told Paul earlier, uh, I had to grab Evan's arm and ask him if he was having a fun time, and the whole time I was talking to him, he was, he was looking past me, <laughs> and uh, so he, he was having a blast. And, and again, I wanna, uh, we need to make sure that we thank all the people who have gone and helped that, people who have, uh, I know a lot of y'all wouldn't want recognize that have helped send kids and things like that to different events, uh, but we have a lot of really good workers that have put in work over the years. Um, Sue is uh, uh, saying she's about to sign on the dotted line of retirement from there. <laughs> so uh, we need the next generation to step up. So uh, if you can go and help, it's a fantastic thing. Uh, Sue, you said you've been out there, what, 60 straight years or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Feels like it. Yeah, it probably, yeah, probably feels like it. it probably does. Probably does take some years off your life when you're out there with all those kids in the in the heat. But uh, uh, they did have a good time, and, and I hope that when I t- when we talk about that, you know, we, we see all these people who help. Uh, I hope that we take uh, cues from their example. Uh, people who are giving of their time and their effort, and uh, just trying to make things happen for kids uh, to better know the Lord. And uh, we're probably all here because someone in our lives uh, set an example for us to have faith in God and to show that faith, uh, that faith was evident in their lives because of the way they prioritized things, the way they, they gave of, uh, of all the things that they had, maybe their talents, their time, uh, all of those things. And so one of the hardest things in church is to get people to kind of step up and uh, take the role of someone. We may have fond memories. Oh, Sue cooked all the time for us. Well, we need somebody uh, to walk alongside those who are being those examples and learning the ways, or we're going to look down the road and we're just going to wish for the time we had people to take the camp. And I think we know that, but it's, it's not enough to know it. It's something we have to do, something we have to kind of walk into and be, be ready to take on the challenge of. Uh, yesterday, Ben asked me to uh, teach the kids about Courage from Esther. Now, Esther's an interesting book because to teach it to young kids, 
so we've got a, a powerful king who kicks his wife out of the kingdom just because he wants her to, as he's, he, by the way, he's drunk too much. And I said that in front of the kids, and I thought, they might not even know what that means. Uh, he had too much grape juice. Uh, but he, he, was, he was so thoroughly graped but, uh, but he thought, well, I'll prance my wife out in front of these people. And she said, no. And he said, get out of the kingdom. And so you had that. And then you had, uh, you know, he has this large group of uh, females with him. And then you have uh, death threats. You have plots. You have thwarted plots. Uh, you have little twists and turns with somebody's going to, I'm going to kill that somebody. Oh, I'm going to get killed on the same stake that you know, all of these things, and I'm, Ben told me to teach this to kids. <laughs> but I did teach about courage and the courage Esther and, and Mordecai had in their uh, moments, uh, you know, being examples to others. Mordecai in the way that he would not bow to the king uh, and almost got killed for it. Uh, but as I was, I was teaching through that, I, you know, I was thinking that uh, I think sometimes when we think about having courage or having bravery, it's always the out there. Like, we need to do that out there. And I even use the example, all the, the kids seem to know about it. I use the example of Minecraft. Minecraft has been around for years. So all the kids know about it. And so Minecraft, you, you build things. You, you can build houses. You dig down in the earth and find resources to make new tools and all these uh, cool things. But it's called survival. So during the day, you're relatively safe. But once the night comes, then the creepy crawlies come out. Then the things come out that can hurt you very badly. Uh, I use the example, there's a, there's a character in there, a mob, as they call it, called a creeper. And it does exactly what you think it does. It creeps up on you. You're sitting there doing something, all of a sudden, boom! And your whole screen shakes and your player's hurt and all this stuff because it just blows up. And I think sometimes when we think about courage, we think about the, the out there in the dark and we can kind of prepare for it. And I think we should. We should have faith and we should uh, want to grow closer to God and be prepared for things that come along. But I think a lot of times the courage we need is to face the person that's staring back at us in the mirror. To look in the mirror and say, I need to quit doing that. I need to reorient my life to God. And that can be some of the most difficult conversations uh, than facing the out there theoretical, don't have a face on it, boogeyman. And so today, uh, we're going to be in the book of Haggai. And the question I want to kind of leave with you as we're going through this, and I want you to kind of keep on the, uh, in the back of your mind, is uh, are you devoted to God? And B, part B of that question, how do you show it? Because I think if I were to ask you the same question about your family, are you devoted to your family? Well, yeah. Well, how do you show it? And we could start listing thing after thing after thing. Uh, number one would be financially, right? You have a few kids and, you know, you're in financial distress, right? <laughs> I mean, they are not cheap. Uh, I was explaining that to uh, some things to Evan one day, and he said, Dad, being a grown-up sounds hard. I said, hey, hey, thank you. Affirmation right there, right? But uh, uh, anyway, I, mean, I think for our family, we can come up with a lot of things. This is how I show it. I work hard and I, I do these things for my family. But I think when it comes to God, a lot of times we say, well, well, I don't, I don't cut. 
or I don't, you know, and we, and we have this list of things we maybe we steer clear from, and that's all great. But I'm, I'm wanting to ask you the question this morning, what do you do? What is that action that you do? When we come to the book of Haggai, uh, do you remember when we talked about Jeremiah 29, 11? That's, that's a a very popular verse that people put on their, their walls. I, I had friends of mine who bought it for me. And uh, you remember when we talked about kind of verses taken out of context, that was one of them. Uh, because we love the idea of God blessing us. So we got Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, you know, a, a, plans to, a plan to bless you, make you prosper, all of these things. And we're like, Yes. But we don't like verse 9 and 10 where it says it's going to be 70 years before that happens. And so you, you think about these people, uh, they have been in, in captivity for 70 years. Can you imagine being taken from your homeland, a beautiful place like southeast Texas, and taken to somewhere like Oklahoma? <laughs> Scott, I said that first service, and Scott said, that's not that bad. That's a, I didn't say Arkansas because I didn't want y'all to hurt my feelings. I, I, love, I love my state, too. Where I come from in the state is probably the, the ugliest part of the state, but I have, a, I have a beautiful state. But can you imagine as you were gone and God has told you, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bless you. You're going to prosper again, but it's going to be a long time. Can you imagine the things going on in your mind that you plan to do when you got back? I can't wait to get back because I'm going to go to Bucky's again <laughs> or H-E-B. You know, uh, that's, I told you guys, that's, that's the only reason I'm here. No, uh, <laughs> that, that, was a, that was a bonus list. They put, they put on the, uh, the, the thing to fill out was, hey, we have H-E-B and Bucky's. I said, there it is, right there. <laughs> God has called me to this place. <laughs> it was clear as day. But... But this is the people that have experienced this time away from their homeland. And uh, because of this, you know they were ready to get back. Uh, but as they came back, instead of thanking God for all the blessings he had given them, it seems they had started to drift. We're going to start in Haggai 1, verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house, the Lord's house, remains in ruin. Now for us, because we had the 70s and 80s, when we see paneled house here, we may think, well, this hasn't been updated. <laughs> for this, in this context, in Haggai, this means that the people were so focused on building very nice houses for themselves, but then they sat back very eloquently and said, yeah, it's not time to build the Lord's house again. Because they were so focused on themselves the Lord's house, again, remained in ruin. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. If you got a bulletin this morning, that's what's on the front of it. Give careful thought to your ways. 
You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. We are looking at a people who are never satisfied. And Haggai might as well have put Americans at the top of this. We talked one, uh, uh, one sermon about all the advertising that we see each day and how that has changed over the years. That people have so many ways of reaching us to make us feel less and less content. If you remember that sermon, I, I told you something funny my father-in-law says. Um, he says, I've got to go into Bass Pro so I know what I need. Like, I don't have an idea of it right now, but they'll tell me, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so what we live in is a culture that is designed to make us feel like I don't have enough. Or if I would only have this thing, then I would feel like I have made it. And, and so that's what you see there. Again, beginning with give careful thought to your ways. You keep doing all of these things, and you never have enough. You never have your fill, and, and probably it hits you in the stomach when I said it. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. I know good and well I got paid this week. I put it in there, but there's nothing left. Where did it go? Anybody ask that lately? Somebody said first service, gas. Uh, yeah, I get that. But we spend and we spend, we pursue and we pursue uh, all of these things in our lives trying to feel fulfilled and it will never happen if we're not following God. Because that's the issue here. As he says, again, give thought to your ways. It is because these people have walked away from God, not toward him. I'm so focused on me and mine and what I want to pursue financially that I have left off any spiritual growth, thinking that is not necessary. It is the time for me to build my nice house and put nice things in it. It's not really time to rebuild the Lord's house. He continues on here in verse seven. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says Give careful thought to your ways. Do you think he wants you to know that? Look in the mirror, okay? Give careful thought to what you're doing. He says, uh, go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little, what you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. God, I don't know what your picture of God is, but God is telling the people through the prophet Haggai right here, you see all the things that are going wrong around you right now. All those things you have planned, you planned these grand things and they didn't work out. He said, you brought this stuff down, I blew it away. Why? Because of my house. You have turned away from me. You are so focused on yourself that you have turned away from me, and so I'm making everything not work out. And what's interesting to me is that we as Christians will sit and we'll look around and we'll see the, the world kind of crumbling around us. Here we are on the 
other side, kind of on a of a pandemic where uh, we a lot of people just kind of walked away from church. Even more so, we'd seen that we'd seen our our numbers decline over the years, but the pandemic kind of put that in fast forward, didn't it? A lot of churches still haven't recovered from that. But we look around and we see people walking away from religion and things changing, and instead of us kind of having the courage and bravery to be an example and to stand firm, we kind of go with them. We just kind of, we're we're satisfied being upset about how bad things are going instead of deciding it starts with me and I'm gonna change it. I have a buddy and his wife who, um, they do not want kids because they do not want a kid growing up in the world as we see it today. Anyone know somebody like that? I think that's becoming more and more common, unfortunately. Uh, I will tell you that when Katie and I were uh, wanting to start having kids, I actually had kids for the opposite reason. Because I believe in the power that God has through our faith in him. And so when, when I prayed to God asking him for a son or daughter, I said, I, God, I will raise this child up to know you Because I believe if that child knows you and has faith in you, if we fill our place right here with people like that, we can do a lot of things in the world around us. And so it's a decision we have to make. There's no reason to point our fingers other places. I can't believe this has happened there or or if this would happen and we're not willing and able to change ourselves and our families to make decisions to serve God other than just serve ourselves. Don't point at anyone else. Because so many times we think about all the things, as God points out here, that are going wrong, and we we point at little things, little battles, uh, political battles often, that we think if that would just be fixed, man, let's put God back in school. Well, how little view do you have of God that somebody can forcefully move him from a school? Because some some reason, if we can't pray in school or we can't pray publicly at a football game, we think God has been removed. Well, what are you there for? You're supposed to be his image. You're supposed to bear his likeness. What do you mean God has been removed? You take God with you everywhere you go, do you not? You're supposed to. So have the courage to do that instead of griping about, well, I, we can't pray publicly. Who cares? i just say that right now. Who cares? Because we want those little things that make us feel good instead of changing our lives and submitting to God and actually having faithful lives. But now we pray publicly, now I feel better about it. Forget that and show God to everyone you meet. That's a lot more effective than a a one-minute prayer in a public place. He goes on, he says, verse 10, he says, Therefore, because of you, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops, I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Because of you, I did this. 
Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josadak, y'all will get this in a minute, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, y'all have got this by now, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. So what we see there is God speaking through a prophet. Now, for whatever reason, we kind of have in our mind that prophets were like uh, fortune tellers in that uh, they were just around telling the future. And that can be partially true because what they really did was preach to the people about how they'd strayed from God. And if you don't turn back, this is what's going to happen, which we do here, right? But the difference is here, they didn't just come and say, hey, this is going to happen because you've walked away or look around you. This is what is happening because you have walked away. They don't just say that and say, hey, yeah, I understand that. That's great. That'd be great if we could fix that and walk away. Because that's often what we do. And we come back the next week and we say, hey, man, things are bad. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about that again next week. But what you saw there was a message from God through the prophet to the people. And the people had open minds, open ears, open hearts. They said, no, we got it. And they said, they decided we're going to come back and we're going to rebuild the Lord's house. And so I ask you this morning, what is it you're going to do? What is it maybe that's in your way to keep you from that relationship with God? Have you been so blind to what's going on in your life that you're so focused on me and mine and what I can get financially that you haven't paid attention to what God is trying to teach you or bring you into. Again, I say there's no reason to point out there if we're not willing to do something in here because that's what God is always calling us to. And so are you devoted to God or are you devoted to yourself? I know it's easy in this culture to only think about me and mine. I think that's something I told somebody after first service. I said, I need this at least like once a year. Because sometimes we think if you're raised like me, you know, we didn't spend a whole lot of time in the Old Testament. Kind of had this feeling like it wasn't applicable at all. And then you read something like this, you're going, oh, no, that's exactly, that's kind of exactly how I feel. But what are you going to do about it? Are you willing to give up your time and your energy and your talents and maybe even your money to make things happen to bring people closer to God? Or are you just okay sitting on the sidelines pointing out all the bad things that you don't like? Because one of those things actually brings people closer to God and the other thing just makes you bitter and only affects people negatively. So again, we're going to offer a time of invitation. Paul's going to lead us in a song. I don't want you to leave here without just looking in the mirror, look very closely at what's going on in your life and say, God, what is it you want to teach me right now? 
God, how is it that I can better serve you in this place? How can I make this a place that people come and when they leave, they, they every week they feel like they have become closer and closer with God Almighty because when people do that, again, we will change this community and then this world. So if you've got anything this morning, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to encourage you if you're struggling with anything like this. If you come.